Stanford and Cal might be on the move with another school that should have been in the pack. You are Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pack 12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, and your number one source to stay up to date with our media rights and mostly team free and I think kind of beloved Conference of Champions. We might be losing more teams soon here in just a moment. Like, comment, subscribe. Please and thank you. Rate, review, wherever you listen to or watch the show. Lots to get to, including actual football later. Because actual football is... Like right around the corner. I mean, I mean, like right around the corner. But first, you see this banner behind me? For those of you watching on YouTube, it says "Pack" at the top for my audio audience, and then there's a twelve underneath it. If you take away the one, we might be really close to this banner still being useful. So, Stanford and Cal reportedly, according to uh, I think it was Michael Silver at the uh, the San Francisco Chronicle. They are reportedly making a move, making a push to get to the ACC, and they reportedly are going to try and bring SMU with them. Now, uh, Pete Thamel has been all over this on, on ESPN, doing some great work over there, as always. And he is saying that SMU is willing to forego any media rights distribution for several years to get into the ACC. That's how bad SMU wants to be in the Power Five. That's how bad their boosters want it. That's how ready they are. Remember that time where they were, in my estimation, a no-brainer number two choice to add after San Diego State? What a great time that was. That was really, that was really, really good. Fun times at Ridgemont High. So, that's where it looks like we're at. Is Stanford and Cal are on the cusp of getting it, getting there. Now, this hasn't happened yet as I record this show. But that it's moving in a direction of being finalized makes a lot of sense. Both because they have been looking at it for a while from the Stanford and Cal side of things and from the ACC side of things. It also makes sense because the season is about to start. And I I will reiterate what I said earlier this week on the show. I don't think anybody wants to have conference realignment hanging over their heads or hanging over their program by the time actual football is being played, even if you don't have high expectations for this particular season. Stanford is probably going to be the worst team in the pack. That's my prediction. Cal is not going to be great. I think they'll get to 500, but that's it. So... Two teams, and this is the craziness of college sports. I've made all my record predictions for uh, everybody except Oregon. I'll do that on Locked On Ducks eventually if you want to check it out. But long story short, I think Oregon goes 10-2 and two this year. It's kind of my favorite record prediction across the pack because I think it's a smorgasbord of really, really good teams, but no dominant teams. Anyway, so I, I think that with all the record predictions I've laid out, it's crazy that two teams who I predict this year to go a combined, what is it, uh, 8 and 16, I think Stanford goes 2 and 10, Cal goes 6 and 6, 
are on the precipice of perhaps getting a Power 5 invitation along with a school in SMU that has not done anything of major note in the college football world. Meanwhile, two schools who I think this year in the regular season will go a combined 16 and 8 are likely to be then left to the Mountain West or the American. The Mountain West seems to be the most uh, logical option at this point in time. So I think that's wild. It's crazy. I've also seen this thought going around from college football opinion people and reporters that all of these schools are getting paid on a per school basis in whatever new league they're going to end up joining. What should have been enough to keep the pack together. All the Big 12 schools, Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, 31.7. Oregon and Washington in the Big 10 are like $32, $33 million at first, and then that'll go up to a full share uh, later. But that doesn't come for many, many years. For the next like five years, it's $32, $33 million. Somewhere kind of in, in that range is what I've seen. And now Stanford and Cal, if they were to go to the ACC, I don't think we know exactly what the dollar figure would be. But it would probably be, given that SMU is willing to take no media rights distribution, which, as Pete Thamel talked about, would create a pool of money. And it's unclear what would happen with those funds because the media rights value would be there or like it would it would exist at some level, but it wouldn't go to them directly. We don't know exactly what Stanford and Cal would get, but it'd probably be kind of in the ballpark of what the Pac-12 should have been looking to get, which is just going back to what I talked about last week, which is, you know, what actually killed the pack here, who or what is to blame. Big part of it is on the presidents who overvalue themselves. Plain and simple. Because there's money to be out there. Bob Thompson, a former president of Fox Sports, had uh, an interesting tweet on all this where he said, look, ESPN has doled out, if you go with the 10 remaining schools after USC and UCLA left, they've doled, ESPN doled out like a hundred uh, 50 million or so 130 million or whatever it is, or I think it was 156 and Fox has given out like 102 million for those eight schools, which comes out to around like $32 million a school. Yeah. Well, what, what, what could have been there? So that's where we're at is we're waiting for that move to take place. I suspect that it will be soon because one way or the other, and this is really where I'm at with this stuff. I have been for a while to some extent, but now that football is literally, literally, as this show is premiering, it's two days away. USC plays two days from the time that this show airs, whether you're listening to or watching it. Two days away. I'm so ready for this to be over. I Look, there's no good outcome. Good outcomes stop being possible, now we know after the fact, when the Pac-12 presidents decided we want close to $50 million a year. That's, that's when good outcomes stopped being attainable. But now that we're in this space and we're all playing this game, I think everyone wants finality, both the people involved and commentators like myself, fans like you. And I think the schools want them as well, because how much longer, I know that Oregon State, Washington State, and Cal are not recruiting powers. Stanford is capable of recruiting at a high level when you're talking about kids coming from the high school ranks. But everyone, I think, is getting to the point where, okay, you have major recruiting weekends during the season. 
You've got to be able to tell your kids what they're do- what they're going to be doing one way or the other. What you're going to be doing as a program, where they're going to be playing, who they're going to be playing against. And and mostly, I suggest most of you are in this camp as well. I'm just over this crap. Like, just give me the football already. Get just put Stanford and Cal in the ACC and put Oregon State and Washington State in the Mountain West. I think that stinks. For reasons that I've talked about, Oregon State, Washington State don't deserve that. Their fans don't deserve that. Their coaches, the universities, they, they have done everything right and they are going to be punished. And I think that sucks. But that's the world that we're in. And can you just do it already? Like if I'd been taken hostage by some evil terrorist organization and I was just sitting there in a chair and they just left me there, eventually I'd be like, okay, Whatever is about to happen here that's going to be terrible, just do it already because I'm tired of waiting and thinking about what it could be and my imagination is running wild in ways that I really, really don't want. So just do it already. I think that's where most people are are at. I suspect I'm uh, not alone. I also suspect I'm not alone in wanting to talk about actual, honest-to-goodness football. Let's talk about eBay Motors because it has something in common with football. Because for a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. That's why you got to check out eBay Motors because it's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Just like in sports and apparently in conference realignment, confidence is the name of the game. In conference realignment, confidence is sort of the name of the game. Confidence is the name of the game, though, when you shop on eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride eBay. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I don't need to tell you every reason why, but that was among the most important second segment sips I've had in quite some time. So let's talk about football here. Touched on this on the end of yesterday's show, but we were running a tad long, so I want to dive into this more heavily. This is the greatest quarterback conference in America. I don't think that's even a hot take. I don't know that any league could reasonably push back on it. Jaden Delora and Cam Ward are, like, at the best, the fifth and sixth best quarterbacks in the league right now. Jaden Delora may very well be seventh. That that is a remarkable league from a football talent standpoint to have at the most important position. Like, this is going to be the last year of the pack as we know it. It's going to be one heck of a year, I tell you, (laughs) because, man, we got a lot of really good teams, 
It's going to be wildly competitive. It's going to be really entertaining. We're not going to play a ton of defense, and you're going to have a bunch of great quarterback play. Joel Klatt recently released on his show his top five quarterbacks in the country. Three of them were in the pack. That's crazy. That's absolutely, like, that. that's something that only in the lore of college football and water cooler conversations can only happen where they have elite players in the SEC. You can't have that in the pack. Well, guess what? The transfer portal's here, and this is the way the world is now. And it's been good to the pack because guess what? Caleb Williams transfer, Michael Penix transfer, Bo Nix transfer, Cam Rising once upon a time was a transfer. Jaden Delora was recruited to a different Pac-12 school, transferred down to Arizona. Cam Ward transfer. So they have been using Pac-12 teams, the portal very well, to build up the quarterback position. A lot of news surrounding the quarterbacks right now. Let's start with the biggest piece of news, and that is Cam Rising's health. I'm sorry, Arizona State, but your news comes second. I promise we'll get to that, though. So Cam Rising's health is clearly up in the air. Now, there is not a guarantee at this point in time that he is not going to play against Florida. What Vegas moving the line tells me is that they are preparing for the possibility of him not playing. He has not been ruled out at this point in time. He has not been ruled in at this point in time. But the line for that game opened at nine and a half. And it's down to four and a half. And about 36 hours ago, there was a sudden plummeting of the line down to four and a half. And for those of you who don't talk about or know gambling super well, five points in a football game point spread is a lot. It's about a good quarterback's worth. So when they set that line, that's how they felt about Utah, is that on average, they're about nine and a half points better than Florida. And they think half the people will bet Florida plus nine and a half and half the people will bet Utah minus nine and a half. But given that that line's been available for a while, I think Vegas has adjusted the line to cover itself to try to get the bets to come in in a 50-50 split. Because if you hear rumors about Cam Rising's health that will have a material impact, not just on the game, but on the Pac-12 championship picture as the season goes on, you as a sports book are trying to make money and you're trying to, as I said, have 50% of the money on one side and 50% on the other. And when you just need rumors, right? You don't necessarily need fact, but you need some sort of credible rumors to emerge to adjust that line as they did. So they think that there is a possibility, at least the sports books do, that Cam Rising doesn't play. I don't think we're going to know until next Thursday, August 31st at, in, in Salt Lake City. That's when we will know. But this is the biggest quarterback story in the conference right now, easily. Because if he can't go week one, he doesn't need to go in week two or three to win the Pac-12. He doesn't need to play in week three to win against Weber State, but they could go 0-2, as they did in 2021, in their other two non-conference games, and they could still win the Pac. That is a real thing that could happen. Not saying it will, saying it's possible. But that's contingent upon Cam Rising being healthy. And if he is 
unable to go in week one, well, suddenly his status is up in the air in week two. And they'd probably rest him in week three against Weber State. That's an FCS opponent. Even against a good program like the, like the Wildcats, they're not going to have a problem there. But if we start moving into the territory of, hey, Cam Rising's status is up in the air this week. Well, suddenly it matters a lot who that game is against now, doesn't it? What if he can't play the USC game? What if he can't play the Oregon game? What about the Washington game? What about the Oregon State game? Utah has a brutally tough schedule this year. If you don't have Cam Rising in a league that is so good at quarterback, I have been consistent with this standard, and I will continue to hold it throughout the season until I am shown evidence to the contrary. If you don't have a top-flight quarterback, I can't see you contending in this league. Or I can't see you winning the league. You can be a really good team, but you have to have above-average quarterback play just to keep up with everybody else. Because if you're a team like Oregon State or UCLA or Arizona or Cal or Washington State, if you can't get above-average quarterback play, you're not going to contend with the big kids or pull an upset or you know try and break through and get into a conference championship game like Oregon State is trying to do for the first time. You're not going to do that because there are too many good quarterbacks up there. And sure, one of them could get hurt, but one of them might already be hurt. So the law of averages would tell you, you're probably not going to have another one. Maybe you'll have one more get hurt. Maybe. But will it be in a major way? I don't know. Like that just goes up in the air. But if you told me right now, Cam Rising misses a chunk of the season, Utah is not a contender. They, they've got some solid players to play the backup quarterback slot. They can still be a, a, a team that goes over 500, but they are not going to be able to keep up with, with, with USC. They are not going to be able to keep up with Washington. They will not be able to keep up with Oregon. You can't ask your defense to do that much in this league. So that is the biggest thing, uh, biggest thing to watch right now. So the other piece of news that came out uh, with regards to quarterbacks in this conference is, I think, a positive one. The way in which it came out is not positive. I don't care for that. But I do like what Arizona State is apparently going to do. So Jaden Rashada is reportedly going to be the starter for Arizona State week one when they play Southern Utah next Thursday, a game that I will be calling on, on radio for the Thunderbirds actually down in Tempe. Stoked about that and stoked that I get to see Rashada, who had the wildest recruitment in the NIL era. It was crazy to say the least. Kenny Dillingham shows his recruiting prowess, which we knew going back to his time at uh, Oregon first season is very strong, particularly when it comes to quarterbacks. Oregon was in on and had verbal commitments from uh, some really, really big time players, most notably Dante Moore, who then went to UCLA once Kenny Dillingham left, right? That's Dillingham showing his value as a recruiter of quarterbacks. And then he goes to ASU, a place that had bottomed, I mean bottomed out, all the way out in terms of recruiting. They were down in the 100s in the country. They had dozens of G5 schools recruiting at a higher level. It was bad. And Kenny Dillingham has flipped the standard there and landed Jaden Rashada, and that's his first kind of um, golden goose of a recruit. And so he's going to start. The reason that I like this, I don't like that it came about because of a Drew Pine injury. I never want anybody to get injured. It stinks. The reason I like this on the whole for Arizona State is because 
I am not expecting big things from the Sun Devils this year. Even when Drew Pine was starting, I thought, eh, this is a three to five win team, probably three or four. And I think with Rashada there, it's still probably a three or four win team. But you have to understand that this is a rebuild and that you're not trying to do anything this year except get yourself as ready as possible for the future as a staff, as a program, and for individual players. And the best way for Jaden Rashada to learn is to play. And so he'll be able to go out and start. He'll get experience. He'll get reps. And by the time you start to put together a roster that can compete in the Big 12 going forward once they join it in 2024 and beyond, he will be the most ready he can possibly be. Now, whether or not they stick with him remains to be seen because, hey, maybe Arizona State surprises some people because it would be here. Here's this is a fair counterpoint to going against Jaden Rashada starting if they were uh, to have their season play out in a way that few people expect. If things go really well for Arizona State, and let's say they're pushing to be bowl eligible because they pick up a win that you don't expect early in the season, let's say they're 2-2 two and two after a couple weeks. Let's say they're 3-2 and two or, like, or, or that they're more competitive than I think they will be. I can make the case pretty readily from a cultural standpoint that if Jaden Rashada is not ready, which most reports that I've seen indicate he is really talented but is not ready to be a starter and he'll just have some growing pains there, but you think you could win games and get to the six-win mark with Trenton Bourget and play in a bowl game? Yeah, I think there's an argument for that. I wouldn't do it personally. I'd say this is a rebuild year. We're trying to figure out, you know, guys for the future. We're trying to figure out what we like as a coaching staff and, and all these moving pieces and everything you need to rebuild a program. I would go with Rashada. But if they go, you know, two and two and Borges in there and doing well because Rashada really, really struggles and you're trying not to kill his confidence, then maybe, then maybe, maybe that happens. But I, I could see that playing out uh, if if things were to go well. I think that would probably require wins against Oklahoma State and Fresno State. If they were to start, let's say they go play Southern Utah and Rashada doesn't look great, but Borgay gets in there and he's much more refined because he's more experienced. He you know, had a lot of starts last year. Let's say that happens and then somehow they beat Oklahoma State and then they beat Fresno State and they're 3-0. and I mean, they could be pushing to be a top 25 team at that point in time. They would certainly get votes. When you pick up a Power 5 and a really, really good G5 win against the defending Mountain West champs, if they were to do that and Borgay was in there, then okay, yeah, see what see what you can do, try and shock the world this season. I don't suspect that that's the case, but if that were to materialize, that's how I would just I could justify, okay, yeah, Rashada needs to not play right now. You can sit and learn from a, a really, really good dude uh, in, in Trenton Borgay. So the other piece of... Uh, quarterback news here. DJ Uyunglele officially named the starter at Oregon State. I don't think this is indicative of there having been more of a competition than people might have thought. I think this was a formality. You see teams all the time wait until later to give the illusion perhaps of a competition or 
give kids hope that they might be able to snatch a starting position. But also, there's no rush to name a starter. Like, if DJ's been the leader for a long time, then what does it matter naming the starter now versus two months ago? Like, it, it doesn't, or in spring ball, even. Like, it doesn't, it, it doesn't change anything. Not a big surprise there, but DJ's production this year could determine how well Oregon State does in their pursuit of, of getting to a conference title game for the first time, which they have a great opportunity to do. Good football team, really good coach, really favorable schedule. So excited to see how that plays out. And just to wrap up today's show on a positive note, football is very close. Football is very, very close. And I I just am so darn excited to watch actual football. The reigning Heisman Trophy winner, we'll talk about this more tomorrow, takes the field on Saturday. I, I know... I know, it's against San Jose State, but guess what? It's football, and we might get a glimpse into that USC defense and what they look like, and nope, you're not playing a high-level opponent, I get that, but I'm just excited to watch football, to be talking about football every day on the show, and I hope all this realignment stuff settles down by then, but I just wanted to go through and remind you of every Pac-12 team's biggest non-conference game this season, because we are going to start seeing these games Within the next week. A week from today, Utah hosts Florida. Cam rising or no cam rising, that's going to happen. Colorado next Saturday. Yeah, they're at TCU, defend or the reigning runners up in college football. Arizona State, week two, gets Oklahoma State. Arizona, week two, at Mississippi State. Cal, week two, hosts Auburn. Stanford plays Notre Dame later in the season, but an opportunity for wins early in the year. They play Sacramento State. That might be their most interesting game. Heck, who knows? Because that's uh, where their head coach, Troy Taylor, came from. USC also has a matchup with Notre Dame at some point in time. UCLA doesn't have an interesting non-conference game. San Diego State, maybe. Maybe week two. Uh, It's either week two or week three against the Aztecs. Maybe they slip up there. I don't know. Curious to see what happens with them. Oregon goes at Texas Tech week two. Oregon State plays a couple of Mountain West opponents. San Jose State on the road in week one. San Diego State uh, at home in week two. Either week two or week three. But anyway, those are the two games that they've got there. And then Washington State hosting a ranked non-conference team for the first time since 1998 at Martin Stadium. What a statement opportunity that could be for the Cougs. And then Washington in week three goes at Michigan State. These are all games that are going to happen really, really soon. And I can't wait to bring back the Pac-12 prime picks, baby. I got to do better than last year. We will be trying. Appreciate everyone listening. I'll see you next time. And until then, hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.